Welcome to the Select Sires Podcast. Talking your success, our passion. Starting in three, two, one. It is June Dairy Month, and we're chatting today with Allison Ryan of the MVP Dairy Learning Center on how they're talking about dairy farming with consumers. Thank you for being here with us, Allison. I'm happy to join you guys. Thank you. I'm Joel Penorwood alongside Leslie Morris. Thanks for tuning in. Among today's discussion, we'll hear about sustainability and how genetics play a role, and that includes the healthier, longer-living cow. And 7HO14454 Lionel is helping to create those. Sire analyst Kevin Jorgensen has more with today's Sire of the Podcast. 7H14454, Mr. T-Spruce Fraz Lionel is certainly the premier production sire of the breed. No other bull can put the combination of extreme milk, extreme protein, and extreme fat in one package. In addition, he's a solid bull in nearly every ranking, whether that's TPI, net merit, HHP, DWP. The bull's truly a game changer. But perhaps the best way to describe Lionel is to talk to the people who are milking them. As I visit with producers and seed daughters across the country, their first comment is how much these Lionel daughters milk, how well they like them, that they're better than they expected. It's truly a testament to the bull that the most satisfied people are the ones that are milking him. A true game-changing bull, 7H14454, Mr. T-Spruce Fraz Lionel. Thanks, Kevin. More online at selectsires.com. Welcome to the podcast, Allison Ryan, Director of Marketing and Communications for MVP Dairy and McCarty Family Farms. Before we jump into the main conversation, let's get a little background on yourself. Sure. So I have been with the MVP Dairy and McCarty Family Farms team for about three years now. And actually, um, I got involved with the dairies through our dairy education center, our dairy learning center on site here at MVP. Previously, I worked for the American Dairy Association Mideast for about 11 years. And prior to that, I was born and raised on a dairy farm here in Western Ohio. So I have been long been talking about my dairy cows since I was, you know, in 4-H and FFA, showing my cows at the fair. Always happy to talk about my 4-H projects as folks came through the dairy barns, specifically at the state fair, and um, have just been a lifelong dairy advocate. And you have continued to talk about those things and tell us a little bit about how you're doing that today at MVP Dairy. And let's just go ahead and talk a little bit about the MVP Dairy Dairy Learning Center. Sure. So the MVP Dairy Learning Center is actually on site at MVP. So MVP actually stands for the McCarty Van Tilburg Partnership. And that's two fourth generation farming families that have come together to form MVP Dairy. And when that was created in 2018, there were a lot of questions, comments, just simple curiosity within our community as to what MVP Dairy was going to be about. And during the process of building MVP, we decided to kind of shift gears and also add a dairy learning center element to be able to welcome in the community and have those conversations firsthand. We have a mission to really operate transparently and farm very openly. At MVP Dairy, we're open to the public. So we welcome in school groups, community groups, 4-H groups, any kind of groups, you name it, they've probably been here. We have something for all ages, but 
but even on the side of our building, we have a big sign that says, come see our cows. So as travelers pass our dairy farm, they don't have to wonder what's going on inside. They can actually stop in and see what's up. Yeah, Allison. So you guys are open to the public, which is, it's unique in our industry, right? Where you're right on a U.S. route, you're you know, right there, people can see it. I drive by it frequently by MVP Dairy. People can see it and it's a big complex. You have an 80 stall carousel. How many cows are you guys milking there? So we're permitted for 4,500. We're milking right around 4,000 right now. So all of our young stock are raised offsite. However, we do keep all of our adult cows, dry cows, everything is here. And it's I think it looks a little bit different from the normal dairy in the sense, you know, a lot of dairy farms will add barns over time, will will grow over time. This was completely from the ground up in 2018. So it was all built specifically at one time. There are six, six row freestyle barns at MVP. They're inverted style. So cows are eating on the outside alleyways versus the middle drive-throughs. So they look a little bit different than what I would say is more common specifically in our area in Western Ohio, but even throughout the United States. So there's you know, beyond the interest from the community, there's also a lot of interest from other dairy farmers just because it looks a little bit different from the normal. Actually, when the buildings were being designed or when the farm was being designed, one of the dairies that we pulled some ideas from was actually um, in Australia. And so even for us, it was a, a, a different approach to building MVP. So we have visitors, like I said before, we have visitors from within the community, but then definitely from within our larger dairy community. We've had some visitors as far as Puerto Rico. The Holstein Association president from Puerto Rico has stopped by. An actual uh, a dairy farm from Chile has also made a trip to stop in. So getting a large uh, group of, of folks. Your main target audience for the Learning Center is our consumers. We all, I mean, growing up in the in the dairy industry, in the agricultural industry, we all hear how important it is to promote and educate our industry to our consumers as they get more and more removed from the farm and from food and animal production, right? We're at least four generations removed from from farming. And you know, I love to hear from the school groups and and those groups that I talked about. I always like to ask them, okay, who grew up on a farm? whose grandfather grew up on a farm or, you know, and see how many generations it takes me to get a connection to farming for the folks visiting. And it's getting further and further away. Now, when we first opened in 2018, we really just wanted to create a space that people could come and see what we're doing. But it really has grown into a full-blown um, education center. So we're we're having structured um, school tours and really talking milk's journey from farm to fridge. And for us, you know, it really gives us a license to operate because as people have questions and they're not getting answered accurately, you know, people are making their decisions on at the grocery store based on their emotions and how they feel about their food being produced. And if they don't feel good about how their food's being produced, then they're not going to buy that product. And as dairy right. farmers, we have a sort of duty to make sure we're sharing our story because no one else is going to do it for us. And those that are trying are often missing the mark or are not pushing out accurate information. And Allison, while an impressive, impressive facility that you guys have there, I wouldn't say one that 
that sugarcoats anything about the process. So you guys are giving uh, visitors a real view of an actual working dairy in process. And I, and I think that's pretty great. What in your mind is the importance of dairy producers, dairy farmers, maybe those that are listening to this podcast right now, our farmer owners being the ones having that conversation as you were just alluding to. There's nothing better than seeing things firsthand and them actually coming to the farm and seeing firsthand, you know, you're not, <laughs> it's not your Instagram filter. It's not your, your um, edited TikTok video or um, something else that this is real life, real time kind of information. And I don't think anything beats that. I know that's not always feasible for everyone. You have to have enough team members willing and ready to support it. However, when we have visitors come in, we try and plan as best as we can to make sure that we're you're in between pushing feed up or we are, you know, hitting the right milking time so people can see the most during their visit. And that works for us. But I would say it's it's just important giving everyone that that close up view on our everyday activities. Not everybody has the access, the availability, the space. And like you said, the personnel to, to create one of these learning centers. So I think that there are a lot of different ways to tell the story for our farmer owners out there than, than by doing a learning center. And I know you, MVP and McCarty's and, and the Van Tilburgs are very involved in their community. And I think that there's community opportunity as well for people to tell the story. Sure. Telling your story kind of means something different to everyone, regardless of farm size, regardless of how many people are on your farm, even just those simple conversations you happen at the community picnic or the ball game that you sat next to another kid's parent. Or, you know, we take for granted sometimes the work that that happens on the farm, that it's our every day. But for other people, it's so interesting and how you present it. That's how more than anything, how people feel about you and how you're presenting yourself as a member of the dairy community. Those are things that people will remember more so than than if you have, you know, all, all the the shiny bells and whistles at your right. dairy, you know, and even with, say you have 50 cows, 500 cows, 10,000 cows, there's room for everyone to to be a part of telling your story. I always kind of laugh when when we have our family get togethers because my family and our extended family is um, the only family that has been involved in agriculture. I had um, aunts and uncles and things that have grown up in the city, and it's remarkable how little they know about dairy. And it, and not that I you know, want to spend our entire conversation always talking about what we do on our farm. It's even just those simple conversations so they know they can reach out if they have a question, or maybe they'll even double guess something they see in public. Like, that's that's not right. I know, I know this person and I know they wouldn't be doing that. Having just simple conversations is always a good place to start. Maybe you don't want to be an advocate online or on social media, but if you are on social media and you see good information, you know, push it out. Even if you're not the one that's saying it, but it's, it's good industry information. That's such an easy, simple way to push out information. Mm -hmm. How great it is to have, though, that resource, and it's becoming more and more visible, viewable from what you guys are doing every day. I think people in the community are going, oh, if I have this question, I know who to call. I know who to talk to. What are some maybe common questions you're getting? I would say some of the, the most common questions are often just why 
dairy cows look the way they do. So, you know, we know in the industry, we, we take that for granted a little bit too. You know, it's dairy character. You can see their bone structure and to an outside person that's not necessarily always involved in uh, in farming, they, they don't always realize that that is perfectly normal, a perfectly healthy cow. I like to, to kind of discuss beef cows in comparison to dairy cows when that question comes up and compare them to a bulldog and a, a greyhound. You know, greyhounds are very svelte and, and very athletic and, and a dairy cow, they're going to perform, they're going to produce milk. And a bulldog is a little bit more stout and they're just basically hanging out, you know, in the form of a beef cow. They're putting on meat, they're putting on weight and just the appearance, it always resonates with people because they understand, okay, yes, they're both dogs, but they look so totally different, but they're still healthy. It kind of resonates with them. So that's always a good example I like to use. Another common question for us personally that we get is why are our cows always inside? And that's always a tough question to answer because it becomes a little bit of an emotional conversation because people think about how beautiful cows are out on pasture. But I like to share with people that, you know, a good managed dairy is not indicative of whether cows are outside or inside. It's really about meeting the needs of your cows and however that farmer can meet those needs is going to be best for the cow. You know, in Ohio, it was... I swear two weeks ago, still snowing, at least it feels like it. And we're going to have, (laughs) yeah. And we're going to have 90 degree weather. I think I saw on Friday. And so I, you know, as farmers, we have to look at 365 days a year in what we do in Ohio. That's always one of the tough questions that comes up. So I think that those questions probably aren't surprising anybody, but what are some of the things that you talk about to, to our consumers that makes kind of like a light bulb go off where they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize dairy farmers did that. And I didn't realize that they were worried about that. So lately, a lot of conversations have been around reproduction on a dairy farm. And sometimes the the misconceptions that come with it is they think that cows are producing litters of calves and that cows are just having calves around the clock. And so explaining the life cycle of a cow that generally a cow has a calf once a year, you know, if it's not twins or in the rare case triplets, that they get a two to three month vacation and they're not being milked, or even to the fact that they're only going into the milking parlor three times a day. Because what I'm finding is people will see videos and images online of cows being milked and assume that that is literally their life and what they're doing 24 seven. For us being the dairy community, you're like, what? That is not, you know, totally far from far from the case. But even just that general life cycle or the everyday daily routine of a cow is always you just kind of see the light bulb go off of like, oh, I kind of want to be a cow. Yeah. <laughs> like this is not even a this is this is an easy job. I could be a cow in another life for sure. In addition to that, you know, I think that some hot button topics right now is all and it, and it's it's important when i when i use that term i'm not saying they're not important but is talking about sustainability and debunking how much carbon 
our dairy industry specifically is, is really putting into our environment. I think that that's a big thing. And I know that at MVP Dairy, you have a whole floor in your learning center, pretty much that's dedicated to sustainability. Um, and, and it, it is the basis of a lot of messaging in there. And so what, what do people say when, when you talk all about your sustainability efforts? Sure. Every visitor that comes to our learning center gets to learn the story from how all foods basically start with soil and healthy soil. And so as farmers, we do do our part in kind of sharing more about how we take care of that soil and why that's so important. Because sometimes when when we're just telling them we're being sustainable or we're just telling them that we're trying to reduce our, our carbon footprint, we always like to circle back and explain why it's important to us. Um, we live here too. You know, we are part of the community and we want to make sure as farmers that, you know, the next generation, whether it be within the family or, or other community members, we want to make sure that we're handling our resources today in a way that can regenerate the soil or can regenerate our natural resources for that next generation that's working to feed our world. And with that, we implement regenerative farming practices. And when we say that, and I know that's a big word, and if I would just say that to all the, the visitors coming into the dairy, they'd look at me with a blank stare of, okay, what is regenerative farming? We actually break it down um, discussing some of the benefits of cover cropping and no tillage and how it helps us prevent erosion and sort of recharges the soil in between the growing seasons. And People can understand those terms, especially a lot of people are maybe the one bright spot that COVID and uh, the, the shutdowns brought is a lot of people got closer to uh, growing gardens in their food again, or at least had an interest in it. That relating um, what we're doing in our fields back to um, the simpler things that, that anyone can um, sort of grasp has been very helpful in telling our story. But on our farm and, and you know the dairy community as a whole, we take a holistic approach to sustainability. So we're not just, sustainability to us isn't just about using our resources wisely or the things that we're doing in our field. It's also about making sure that our nutrition is on point for the cows to turn all of the feed that we spent time growing into wholesome, nutritious milk. It's also about making sure we're improving our genetics to make sure that our cows have that genetic potential to turn their resources into that more sustainable product. And so everything, you know, really comes full circle where today we're creating a gallon of milk with 30% less water, 21% less land, and 19% lower carbon footprint than in 2007. So the dairy industry has really made strides with decreasing our carbon footprint. And a lot of that is really just on improving our best practices in nutrition, genetics, and what we're doing out in the fields. Great conversation. And you alluded to it a bit there, the conversation of genetics and sustainability. But talking more about genetics, because that's a business we're pretty fond of. <laughs> that's an area uh, we like to talk about. How is that conversation being had to your visitor, to the consumer, <laughs> and maybe to fellow dairy producers as well? 
Sure. So depending on what type of group has visited us, we get questions that, you know, some are easy conversations to have because, you know, adults kind of know, know the drill. But for the young school groups that come in, it's a fine line between not overly sharing the birds and the bees story. But typically what happens is we have school groups that at some point during the tour, they'll realize that all of our cows are females. And (laughs) they will start asking questions about that. That's a big light bulb moment. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, And, you know, it's, it's one of those that we then start to have a little bit of a a reproduction discussion appropriate for whatever age has, has visited us that day, but explaining that cows need to be female cows, not bulls to produce milk. Typically I share with people that I work with, other farms or companies like select sires and share with them that they raise all the bulls so we don't have to. So (laughs) occasionally you you might get compared to a match.com or something of the sort (laughs) (laughs) because we, we do bring things back to, you know, that you guys help us pick a mate or choose a mate that best fits with our, our female cows. I'm imagining Bessie's dating profile, you know. I'm like, do you swipe right or left? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm waiting for the call someday that I'll get from one of the school groups, like their parents or something, coming home with a wealth of knowledge about reproduction and <laughs> oh, I'm kind of bracing myself for that. But we, we do walk a fine line, so we don't overdo it with too much of, of the discussion, but we certainly don't shy away from it when, when they're asked. We are, are prepared to um, have those conversations with the groups that come in. And, and actually, we're getting ready, as you guys know, to install a game and display based on our work with Select Sires and how, yeah. um, how reproduction uh, plays an important role on, and progressive genetics play an important role for our farm. Yeah, and we're really looking forward to that. I'm excited. Select Sires is a farmer-owned cooperative. And so we take responsibility and, and feel very responsible to our farmer owners to help educate our consumers, you know, and so when, when the opportunity came to us to be able to be a part of the learning center at MVP Dairy from Allison and, and the McCarty's and the Van Tilburgs, we really jumped on the idea of doing that. And, and we are excited to be able to educate that next generation. That is what, what did you say? We're four generations right now removed mm-hmm. from yeah. the farm, right? Yes. So we're excited to, to be a part of that, to be able to show people that number one, animal agriculture is important to our world and to feeding our world, right? And all agriculture is, but number two, that genetics plays a huge part in that effort that our farmer owners anywhere, people like the McCarty's and, and the Van Tilburgs that we're there to help them educate it. And so we are not only there supporting McCarty family farms and MVP dairy as, as a display piece in that learning center, but definitely serving all of the farmer owners that we represent across the country. Allison, it's June dairy month. You got any big plans? So one of the things that we do to help celebrate June Dairy Month here at the Learning Center is typically our shuttles through the barns are always reserved for groups, you know, 12 or more 
basically if you've got a school group or a forage group, you're you're kind of money. You're in, you're you're gonna be on the shuttle, you're mm-hmm. you're gonna go through. In June, we do open up actual shuttle times that anyone can join. Usually do them on Wednesdays and Fridays. You know, every couple of hours we'll fill a shuttle and we'll we'll run everyone through the barns and just provide that open opportunity for those that are not a part of the group, the ones, the singles and doubles who want to come visit, that they have that opportunity as well. Awesome. I thought maybe it was going to be like ice cream machine for (laughs) frozen yogurt. (laughs) You know, if I had, if I had three more of me, we would probably have a frozen yogurt machine. (laughs) Of course, everyone gets regular yogurt when they come in, but frozen yogurt, it just, it's that extra special treat, right? That's awesome. You guys are great. And I think a great way to help wrap it up here, Allison, before we leave any, any parting thoughts. The one thing that I really enjoy about our Dairy Learning Center is that we've had partners like Select Sires and and many others that have stepped up and helped us share Dairy's story. Our Learning Center is a 501c3, so it's a nonprofit um, center because everything for us, it's education first within the Learning Center. And so being able to keep costs very low for school groups is very important to us. And We've, we've been able to work with great key partners to keep the Learning Center moving. And for us, we also recognize that we are one piece of our dairy community, and we depend on many others to make sure that what we're doing on our farm helps us be profitable, be productive, and be responsible dairy farmers. And so to us, we really look at it as the dairy community as a whole, that we're all in it together. And the more of us that are are sharing dairy story and helping people um, feel good about where their dairy foods comes from is really our mission. And we very, very much appreciate everyone's support. Allison Ryan, Director of Marketing and Communications for MVP Dairy and McCarty Family Farms, joining us here today to talk about their Dairy Learning Center and also bridging the gap between producer and consumer. Allison, thank you. Thank you, guys. This is the Select Sires Podcast.